Welcome to a very special edition of Talking Comics. I am Stephanie Cook, and I am joined by a very special guest, Mr. Phil Lamar. Hello. Thank you so very much for joining us. Phil, you have done so much For the world? Yes. (laughs) You're a hero, a modern-day hero. But really, you are. I mean, you have played just about every single superhero there is in Marvel, DC. You've uh, done work for Mad TV. You were in Pulp Fiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've done video games, Dead Rising, Darksiders. What haven't you done? Uh... Uh, what have I done? Um, well, a couple of years ago, I finally got to do a play on Broadway. Um, I think, and last year, I finally got to do motion capture, which oh. is something I'd never done for uh, for a game called Shadow of Mordor, where I got to play an orc. Oh, which wow! Was an- which was another first. I can't wait to play that game. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. Troy Baker is amazing as the as the main ranger, and it's got this 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 amazing effect thing where. He has wraith powers because he's come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And, well, one, the fact that he, when you die in the game, his character can't die. So it's the only game I've ever played where you being killed and coming back to play the games more is actually built into the story. That's really interesting. I mean, oh. that, that, that's his whole thing. Like, he, he was, you know, the, Sor- the Black Hand of Sauron killed his family in front of him and then gutted him. But now he's, like, basically, you know, on a path of vengeance, cannot die. He can, you know, be killed, but he keeps coming back until he destroys the, the Black Hand, you know. So it's actually, instead of just like, okay, all right, you get another life, you know. <laughs> you know, it's actually part of the storyline that you keep coming back. And when you do get killed... The orcs that kill you remember it. Oh, whoa. That's and, so neat. Yeah. It's really amazing. There's like this this huge, long, you know how there's open world games? Yeah. This also has an open mind. It has this history that's tied to the open world. So like an orc who kills you actually moves up in the ranks because he killed the, the wraith. And okay. so the next time you encounter him, he's stronger. That's so cool. I've never heard of that. Like, I mean, I knew I wanted to play this game, but I, you just made me want to go buy uh, a new gen console like as soon as we stop talking so I can, you know, properly play it. Oh. I know that. I know that's because I have a PS3 and I'm wondering like, hmm, I wonder if all of that stuff can be done on the older console or, or am I getting like, you know, the short version, like the eight pixel version of the game? Like, yeah, I've, I've heard that there's a couple, there's a couple of video games that I've been dying to play. Uh, that's one of them. And, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition's another. And, uh, yeah, I, I've heard that it's a lot better to play on the new gen consoles. Cause I was going to just, you know, be like, yeah. ah, whatever, I'm just going to play them for Xbox or PS3. Right. And, uh, a friend of mine, had done that, and then she got a PS4, and she was like, don't do it, wait, just wait. Get a new, she's like, it's worth it, I swear. So I, I don't know how different it could be, but apparently they're not updating um, the old consoles. So the, the new consoles are getting all the updates for the games, whereas the old oh. ones aren't. So they're, they're going to apple us. Yeah. Just going to like slowly squeeze yeah. you until it's like, 
well, I can only do one thing on my old, you know, yeah. thing. So I guess finally I have to upgrade. Yeah. Uh, it's going to kill me, but I, I'm going to have to do it. That sounds amazing. How was, what was working in like mocap like? It was really interesting. I had talked to um, some friends who do it, you know, like uh, uh, Crispin Freeman and Troy Baker, just to like get a sense. And what they, what Crispin had said, especially, was really prescient because he said it's not film acting, and it's not stage acting. You know, stage acting, the audience is thirty feet away. You need to heighten everything, and everything has to be a little bit bigger just to read. You know, mm-hmm. and film acting. The camera is inches away and you're, you know, 40 feet tall. Everything has to be muted, smaller. Mm. Like if you make a big face on camera, it's like, oh, why is this devil clown in front of us? It's like overacting when it's on a camera. Exactly. But this is something different, especially because they're filming every conceivable piece of information about your performance. There's, you know... The body has the little aluminum foil balls all over you. Then there are dots on your face, and there's a camera basically attached to a bike helmet <laughs> that's sitting in front of your face the entire time, capturing everything as you're saying it. And they use all of that to as the uh, foundation for the animation, but then they lay the character on top of it. So if you do this really subtle Robert Duvalian performance... And then they put like basically what's an electronic mask over it. Yeah. It's not going to read, you know, because like basically it's like, yeah, it's like wearing a, a rubber mask. You have to move your mouth a little bit more for it to show through the mask. That's really interesting. Is having all of the gear on jarring at all to your performance? Oh, it's, it's super distracting. <laughs> I mean, literally there was, there was one uh, Travis Willingham uh, – was playing a, a fighter and his wife is dying and they're doing the scene where they're supposed to kiss, <laughs> but they're both wearing these gigantic helmets and have these things sticking out of their face. So they go, clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> like, all right, don't worry about it. We'll just, we'll just cut out from that point and we'll just, they'll, they'll just draw in the kiss, you know, effectively. Yeah. That's uh, gotta be so, how, how long does it take for you to get used to that? Like how long did you guys, um, I guess, film? Um, we did about a week and a half, I think, which is weird considering how much gameplay there is. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that they used other people to cover some of the less specific stuff. Like, okay, here's the character running, you know. We'll just use the guy we had doing orc running for three or four days and just play, place that in there. Because I think they can, you know, digitally fill things in where they want to, you know, without actually having it. It's, it's basically the same thing as using a stuntman in a movie. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't really, no one needs to see Harrison Ford's body flailing as he falls off a building. No, no, he flails differently than a stuntman. We need to see the actual actor. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it takes a, a little, like probably an hour or so to get used to it because the other part is, there's no set, really. There's like, they put down a box and say, okay, this is the gate into Mordor. Don't, you know, make sure you go around the box. <laughs> how, how does having, I mean, you're obviously a big fan of these worlds and all that stuff. How does, um, you know, having your own mental picture of these worlds help you get into the performance? Well, this is the other thing. 
and I'm not sure how new this technology is, but once we get into the, um, you know, the volume, you're there with all the cameras all around you, they can then take the, the character design and lay it over your body so that you can see yourself moving in real time as the character. Oh, weird. And then they can, you know, pull that, pull up the digital background that you're going to be, that they're going to be, you know, animating you into and say, okay, see this box right here? This is, you know, a column. And you can see the column like, oh, okay, got it. So it requires more imagination and doesn't because they can show me the finished thing, the entire digital set, you know, and then I can go, okay, then I just turn around and imagine what I just saw is where I'm walking. That's really, really neat. Are you wanting to do more of that work? I mean, you do a little bit of everything. You Is it um, something that you'd like to keep kind of trying and perfecting or was like once enough? No, no, no. It, it was definitely uh, something I'd like to try again. It is, it is tough because you move really fast. Like on a movie set, which it seems to be similar to, Everything is so slow. It's like, all right, we'll do a scene. All right, lighting needs the set for 40 minutes while they adjust everything. There's no lighting. They do all that later, you know? So it's like, okay, that was, you guys did three great takes. That's great. Let's do the next scene. Like, oh, wait, I haven't memorized it yet. Hold on. So so do you have like a new appreciation for, you know, a lot of people have been uh, over the years saying that Andy Serkis really deserves an Oscar for his work. And do you have like a newfound kind of appreciation for what he does in like Lord of the Rings now? Yes, although it's weird. And it's funny because it's sort of, I've always said that as a voice actor in the animation stuff that I do, people say, oh my God, I love that character. It's like, well, I'm at best one third of the character. Mm -hmm. Like to me, a third is the voice, a third is the writing, and a third is the animation. I mean, because... Animators, really good animators, are actors. Mm-hmm. They act with their pens, and they really bring those characters to life. Certainly, some of you know what we do as voice actors, they, they use as a, as a starting point or a jumping-off point, and I think it's true with mocap, too. Um, although, it's, it, you know, I, th- I remember last year there was a big debate about, you know, well, is it Andy or is it the, the animators? Mm-hmm. And who's doing what? And the line is so blurred. You know, I mean, the character I'm playing is an orc. I mean, it looks nothing like me. But if I watch it, I'm like, no, no, he's moving his face the way I moved my face. Yeah, like it's weirdly you, but not. Right. So, you know, and I, I don't know who who is the genius, Da Vinci or the chick who sat there. You know? <laughs> That's an interesting comparison. <laughs> like, because he... He may not have been, like he couldn't have conceived of that little smile. Mm-hmm. She must have just done that. Yeah, and that's certainly like a significant part of it. But had he not painted it well, what she did, and that's the thing. Like Andy could do this amazing performance if a guy in rendering decides to just like ah, I'm just going to erase most of that. Then all of a sudden, he's not such a great actor, is he? Yeah, it's all kind of part of the creative team. You really need to be. Um, in sync with everyone else. And yeah, it's so collaborative that it's it's almost um, silly to try and draw a line between whose, whose performance is what, you know? I don't know. So when you're voicing a character, um, 
is there often already a character uh, for you to look at and kind of embody? Or is it, do you get to kind of partially make up that character when you see a script and come in to record? Uh, usually, um, for animation and video games, there is a, a strong visual component. Because that's usually what they sell it on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can you can sell an image of a character easier than a script. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, okay, it sounds funny, but what's it going to look like? You know? And then concept um, art and bam. Exactly. And usually they have, so, because so, you know, that's, all of us are so visual, and especially where, where comedy is concerned, you know, and in the video games, I think, especially that is so visual. I mean, well, you need an entire world. And I think for a most a lot of video games for many years, the visual like completely overrode the writing, mm-hmm. and now it, we're get, we've gotten to a time where they're on par, and you know you're getting so much be, so much better writing in video games, and your characters that you can feel for more, and it's starting to enhance gameplay. Mm-hmm. You no, know? there's yeah, like that partnership is just really coming together where it's not one or the other; it's you're getting everything. Um, right. The whole package. Yeah, and it's it's funny because, you know, there are certain games where it's not about acting. Like Mario, woohoo! That it, it really doesn't matter who does that, or they could just use the, the same clip from 1983. <laughs> but it's the gameplay. Yeah. Gameplay is is everything for a game like that. But then the other games that are more human, that are more, you know, experiential, it's it's more and more about if if I don't believe the characters I'm interacting with and the characters I'm hearing, then I don't buy the game. Like, what's the point of having an immersive world if it just seems like a weird, flat cartoon? Yeah, if there's, like, that disconnect. Yeah. So. Um, well, I mean, going back to some of the stuff you've worked on here, you've worked on a ton of already established franchises um, and properties. Yeah. What's it like being involved in things that are already extremely beloved to fans. Well, as a fa- I mean, especially the comic book stuff. I mean, I used to go into Justice League sessions, you know, on a Wednesday or Thursday, and I'd have my bag stuffed full of my comics from, you know, New Comic Day. And it was funny because if we had a guest star who didn't really know, it's like, oh, well, actually, I've got a visual reference for your character right here. Vigilante uh, <laughs> appeared in, uh, you know. And it's wonderful. I mean, because I... I read all these things growing up. I still read most of them. And, like, you know, I've gotten to work on Ultimate Spider-Man. I think I'm working on that again next week. Um, And it's always fascinating to see how the animation changes the the source material. Uh, And I'm, I'm a big proponent of not being a slave to continuity. You know, and it's and to me that's the edge that some of the animation writers have over the comic book writers is once you take it out of um, this medium, you have a little more leeway. You're not you know tied to some fact of a character's background that because somebody made it and wrote it in 1978. Yeah. You know, it's like I mean, like with Justice League when they decided to make John Stewart the Green Lantern of Earth. As opposed to a backup Green Lantern or the secondary Green Lantern or anything. It's like, no, no, no. In our world, in you know this universe, he is the guy who Abensur's ring 
you know, found. Mm -hmm. It gets to be uh, more interesting and things get shooken up, shaken up. (laughs) Uh, And And, and the thing is, things you can anticipate for fans that are watching it and stuff. Right. And the thing is, people do that in the comics as well. But then you have people like flaming you on Twitter for doing it. You know, how could you do that? Like had the um, the whole superior Spider-Man thing started in an had they done an animated series called the superior Spider-Man that started with Doc Ock taking over Spider-Man's life. Mm-hmm. People would have said, oh, my God, that, no one would have had a bad thing to say about it. Yeah. But because but it was it, in continuity. Yes. And it was like, no, no, no. That's the Spider-Man. You can't mess with the Spider-Man. That's my Spider-Man. That's the same one I read when I was seven. Because characters never come back to life in comics. Exactly. And that's the, that's the other thing. Like, we're all such little children when it comes to that. Like, we want the... You know, Mom, you cut your hair! You're not my mom now! We you want know. change, but we cling to the past at the same time. Right. Especially those things that, you know we identify with or that we came to in those, you know, impressionable ages, you know, we, and that's the thing. It's like, even if it was like, not that great, you know, it's like Rom space night was the first comic I ever picked up. Oh man. I can't wait till they do the movie. I was like, you know what? Wasn't actually a great comic. It wasn't that good. It's like, but when you're 10, you don't know. It'll be interesting to see how everyone responds to like, say Howard the duck when that comic comes out, uh, seen as it's had a weird past to say the least and then obviously it's cameo in uh guardians right well see now that's one of that's one of those things you just feel bad about (laughs) because howard the duck was this sort of like cool funky you know certainly significant at the time little comic that not many people knew about somebody decided hey let's blow it up Hello, world. Here's your first view of this character. <laughs> he sucks! You know? And so now Howard the Duck has become shorthand for bad comic book movie. Mm-hmm. You know, which is terrible. In an era, though, when, you know, bad comic book movie was the norm. Exactly. And you know, it's like, okay, well, we won't make another comic book movie for seven years now. Mm-hmm. Because that was... A, and I mean, I don't even know how bad it actually was. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen all of it, um, so I, I don't know. But I think I'm gonna have to uh, before the comic comes out check out the movie and kind of see how you know yeah. it uh, differentiates from what they're doing, which should be great. Um, but you just you touched on one thing that I wanted to go back to, and mm-hmm. um, you mentioned that sometimes fans will reach out and they'll scream, you know, bloody murder for whatever a take on a certain character how do you deal with online hate and criticism from fans seen as you're on twitter and you know out there for people to interact with um i never read uh comment sections (laughs) that is like internet 101 i think (laughs) ever on anything Oh, like, God, I don't blame even, you. Even, even other people's comment sections, even if it has nothing to do with me, I, because it's, it's not worth it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's always going to be filled with, you know, haters. It's going to be – and the worst thing is when you get the compliment from the dumb person. <laughs> that's, that's almost as bad as getting hate, it's you like, know? oh, 
should I be happy about that? I feel like I should be happy, but I'm not. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's like the, the ugly, sweaty guy saying, hey, I like your outfit. <laughs> well, you obviously have no taste. So what does that say about my outfit? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I find that on Twitter, people tend to be a little more circumspect about what they say. I, I think the one, it's, little le- it's a little less anonymous and it's more direct. Like on a comment section, you're just posting something on a wall and walking away. Yeah. When you at someone on Twitter, you know you're sending it to them. Now, occasionally people will say something you know, with you. And I'll, and I'll always write them back. I'm like, why did you – you could have just typed my name. You didn't have to put the at symbol. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you think I wanted to hear that? That's like walk. Do I walk up to your house and knock on your door and say you suck? People are really uh, inconsiderate with the way they choose to uh, air their grievances. Sometimes, like they just don't think. Uh, well, they forget that there's that someone they're... on the other end. Right, right, and you know, and I, I feel the same same way about you know artists and writers. You know, um, it's it's as hard to make a bad piece of art as a good one. Like it takes just as much time. The materials cost just as much, you know, and sometimes it just doesn't show up or sometimes not everybody's going to like it, mm-hmm. you know, to my thing is always like, well, if I don't like something, if no one asks me, why bother? Yeah. If you don't have anything nice to say, why say anything at all? Unless it's really, really funny. <laughs> Unless I have a really Unless- funny joke about a bad movie poster. Um, but if you don't have bad things, you know, we need those bad things as a, a way to determine what we like. We kind right. of get complacent in, um, you know, just having good things around. And if we don't have bad things, you know. Right. And and I do catch myself every once in a while on Twitter, especially going for a joke. I'm like, you know what? That's actually uh, – Catherine Heigl doesn't need me to, to crap on her. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I, w- I can keep that opinion to myself. Yeah, and there's like a conscious kind of – um, line between uh, a joke and then kind of borderline on being cruel, I guess, every exactly. now and again. Exactly. You know, if if there's like a funny meme or something or like, you know, a picture of someone's ha- hairdo, th- that's a, that is fair game. Like if somebody finds a character <laughs> of mine that looks, that looks goofy and posts something, that's fair game as opposed to saying, I saw him in this movie. He was completely unbelievable. You know, it's like, okay, you're not the New York Times. No one asked for your review. Everyone's a critic on the internet, though. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, so speaking about comics, have you ever thought about writing comics or trying to uh, do any other kind of medium? Um, I have thought about it, but it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. um, writing is hard for me. Um, I mean, I, used, I was a member of the Groundlings Theater in, in L.A. for many years, and all we had to do was write four-minute sketches, and that was hard. So writing an entire you know comic book script it just daunting. It's daunting, um, and also because I have such respect for the people you know, the friends and um, and professionals that whose work that I I read. I'm like, and it's sort of hard. I mean, I, I read Bill's stuff, and I'm like, okay, if I can't right to that level, why bother starting? Which I know is, a, is not a good way to, a, to think about it. But it's intimidating. But it is. And the thing is, you know, I'd want to write something that I'd want to read. And I don't want to read something bad. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
And so, it's hard to consider yourself on that level when you're putting something exactly. on paper. Yeah. I mean, I think if I had a concept that really just sang out to me, that might be different. It's like, oh, I really need to say this, you know, but that hasn't happened yet. I would love to, though. I'd love to see my name in a book. How you know? great would that be? Yeah. You should, you should uh, just, like, dictate it. You should yeah. just, you know. Well, I, I mean, I was so psyched. Um, when in the, in the, in the fables, a uh, hundred thing, when my idea for got used and I got a little credit in that to me was, you know, the world, you know, it's like, I'm credited in a comic book, you know, <laughs> that that's the dream, right? It's so yeah. much fun. Yeah. I, I totally get it though. I'd love to write comics too, but again, working with like Bill, you know, I know that if I write something, he would look at it and it's like, oh my God, I don't want him to like, <laughs> oh, intimidating. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I, I don't know. And I hate to get into that mind frame of just like, well, that's for other people to do. Mm-hmm. But I kind of do have that sort of elitist mind frame about art anyway. You know, <laughs> it's like, I don't think it is for everybody. Well, some things, you know, if you have one sort of area of expertise, it's not, you know, out of the you can try more things, uh, but right. knowing that you really like doing one thing and you're really good at it. Um, but we've all seen the TV star who put out an album, yeah. <laughs> you know, or Michael Jordan playing baseball, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. It, we all, you know. It's nice to try new things, but not necessarily uh, on a professional level. That's why people have hobbies, I guess. Right. <laughs> there, there you go. You're right. Um. So, is getting to travel to conventions for work a highlight for you? I mean, because you, you, you kind of get to be there professionally. Um, you get paid. You get to hang out amongst people that you work with and respect. And you get to kind of wander around and geek out at everything. Exactly. That's – yeah. I love being at the cons. I'm not a big fan of traveling. Like if if we could get the, the, the Star Trek transporters going, right? I would be on board with that. Um, so would that be your superpower too? Like ooh. if you if you could, you know, yes, just teleport. Of yeah. course, yes, like Nightcrawler or something. Yeah, teleport unlimited distances and take luggage. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that would be the trick. Well, you wouldn't need to take luggage because you could just teleport back home and change, and change. then go back. There you go. You wouldn't even right. need luggage. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. Yes. Thank you. The next time someone asks me what would my superpower would be, it's going to be teleportation. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I cut you off but no no yes i love i love conventions because again because i'm a comic book fan you know and getting to go there you know on somebody else's dime and then go you know meet bill willingham and neil adams and george perez you know like and and it's funny because i do find myself like geeking out and like shutting down you know um like you know i met bill sinkevich and i'm like i really want to ask him for it took me like two years <laughs> After knowing him to ask him for a sketch. <laughs> it's you know. It's so daunting, especially when you're like at a show on a professional level. Like yes. it feels so weird to uh overstep that bounds like you're all sitting around and you're sitting there like internally right. being like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And on the outside you're like, I am a leaf in the wind. I'm calm. <laughs> and then it's like, Can I get a sketch? It's like I've talked to you for two years, and like 
Right. Now uh, you're just it's like, I'm a huge fan and wanted you to think I was cool. <laughs> like, right. Well, that's it's that weird thing of like, which side of the line are you going to be on? Fans aren't allowed in the green room. If you're in the green room, you can't be a fan. You know? So it's like, no, you have to act I have to act cool. I have to act cool. I can't tell somebody. But then you always, after it happens and someone's like, oh, great thing, you realize, oh, wait, what did you do when somebody came up to you in the green room and said, oh, I really love you on this or I loved when you did that or my kids love this? I'm like, oh, I dug it. <laughs> but oh, it's hard. Right. You, you, don't, you don't ever want to overstep those bounds and um... – you know, kind of be that person, but then at the same time, thinking about it, you're like, it's fine. Right. Although, I do believe that you have to you have to game it a certain amount. You can't just go up and geek out, especially mm-hmm. in the green room when somebody's relaxed. You have to approach it a certain way. Like <clears throat> one time at uh, San Diego Comic Con, we were there for some animated show for Fox, and we were in like sort of a press area. You know, and Harrison Ford comes in oh, with a with a phalanx of publicists and, you know, hangers on or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm in the same room as Harrison Ford. <laughs> I have I have to make contact in some way. But it's Harrison Ford at Comic-Con. Yeah. So the last thing, you know, he wants to hear is something about Han Solo. <laughs> like that's all he's gonna hear for the next forty-eight hours. Is hey, who shot first? <laughs> I grew up on you were my childhood. You know. So it's like okay, find an angle quick. You only you know I slip in between publicists and forty-two. The Jackie Robinson movie had just come out, and he had a part in that. And uh, and I both and I had read that he had been instrumental in getting it made. So I'm like, this is my thing. This is something that's interesting, that's not an immediate, you know, retread of everything he's heard for hours. And it's something that will break through a little bit. So I told him the truth that I'd just taken my son to go see it. And we both found it so moving. He's like, oh, cool. How old's your son? And like, we had the moment. That's awesome. You know, but it's tough. It's tough to find. And, and sometimes... If I can't find that angle or it says to me, it's like, well, maybe I'm not that big a fan of somebody. It's just like maybe you just sort of recognize them and you should just sort of let them go or just accept the blank stare. Like, hey, I really love your work and move on, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Not everything needs to be kind of uh, validated plus the fact or beyond the fact that you were in the same room. Um, yeah, but I have to say I've I've learned now after doing the Pee Wee Herman show in New York that these opportunities to meet people that really did whose art does impact your life is significant. And I should because like the Pee Wee Herman character is so beloved. The people who came backstage while we were doing that show is like a, a who's who list. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was incredible. And. And I found myself like holding back and not saying anything and did it. And then it was over. And now I have all these stories about how I didn't say anything to Elvis Costello or oh, David man. Bowie or what? Uh, oh. no, I'm seriously Salman Rushdie and Lou Reed came together. Oh my God. You know, and, and I've learned from that. Like, you know what? Never again. Even if you, even if you're going to look like an ass, 
that the story that I look like an ass in front of, you know, Paul Simon is better than I saw Paul Simon in a room and in saying there's a weird person in the corner. Right. <laughs> My dad always asks me if I when I like post about meeting someone famous or um, whatever, like his immediate reaction always is, did you get a photo with them? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't always just be like, hey, can we can we get a like selfie selfie thing here going right. on? Like, oh. but um, yeah, but and, but I've learned like you know what? Sometimes you gotta because the, the only time that whole run backstage that I was able to get up the guts to do it was for my son because uh, Daniel Radcliffe came to our last show, oh, wow. and my son was deep into Harry Potter at the time. So, so I'm like, I have to, you know, but yeah, but then there are all the ones that like were hugely personal to me. Like seriously, like David Bowie and Elvis Costello, their voices have ring rung in my head since I was 12 and I could not bring myself to ask for a picture, you know, and I, and I regret it. I regret it every day. Well, you never know. Maybe another opportunity will come up in your future. And now you know that you can't pass it up. Exactly. Exactly. It's, exactly. it's, all, a, it's all a learning curve, right? I mean, <laughs> it's to better yourself for the future. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of this, mm -hmm. I mean, on a personal level, do you have any kind of advice for people who want to approach you? What are some of like the best ways to kind of just come up and be like, hey, what you've done, you know, really has resonated with me. I love like your characters, this and that, as opposed to like the no-nos, which is like tweeting, standing right beside Phil, so <laughs> cool, and then seeing like a weird photo they've taken of you when you're like, when, when did that happen? Right, like, exactly. Is there yeah. any ways that, you know, you find personally more comfortable for people to kind of talk to you? Um, yes. Not at the urinal. <laughs> Has that happened? Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, actually, the weirdest one, well, there were, there were two. There was one I was going, it might have been Dragon Con, and I'm getting off an airplane at like 1130 at night. You know, the, the, the terminal is like almost empty. I'm at the gate, and a guy comes up, with a bunch of stuff with characters for me to sign. Oh, no. At 11.30 at night. Like, inside security. This is not out front. This is like, you have to have a ticket to be where we are. Oh, my gosh. And it's midnight. And no. <laughs> no. This yeah, is not A time and a place. My, my, my thing is, one, remember that we're people. Just like you. You know, and that that cuts both ways. One, that means we love compliments. Two, it also means sometimes we get tired, you know, and get into a cranky mood or whatever. What I respond to is sincerity. Um, and uh, weirdly enough, specificity. Like if somebody comes up and there is an episode of Justice League that they loved or a moment or something that really meant something to them, that's cool. Or there was, you know... A time that, as opposed to like, oh man, you did so many things. Yeah. Wow, and that, and that. Like wow. what you were kind of talking about, where maybe they didn't necessarily love you enough as a 
actor to kind of say something. They just kind of recognized you and wanted to say something. Right, which which I totally get, and that's fine. I mean, I do that too. But yeah, let's just keep it quick. It's like, hey, man, really love yourself. Thank you. And move on. As opposed to, hey, I really love your stuff. Um, God, uh, what should I ask you? Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just so weird to see you. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay, we don't, we, we don't need to go into a Jerry Seinfeld. It's like, what about tables? You ever notice? No. <laughs> if you don't have anything to say, don't just wave and say thank you or whatever and move on. Move on. You know, mm-hmm. that actually happened to me the other day. There was in my neighborhood, there was a character actor who I knew his face from a thousand things. And I was like, but I couldn't remember his name. And I was just like, okay, I don't have anything specific to say because I can't remember exactly where I know him from. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to walk away. But then I thought, you know what? He's not Tom Cruise. He may he may enjoy like so I said I'm sorry to, sorry to bother you but I just really enjoy your work you're such a you're such a strong actor didn't try to make it personal didn't say oh my god what what are you in what were you in yeah. <laughs> just like required nothing of him just gave him a little pat you know a, you know a metaphorical pat on the back and got out of his way yeah and sometimes maybe they're having a bad day <clears throat> and just a little reassurance out of the blue can Turn their day around. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. It's like if you have a sincere, positive feeling towards somebody, there's nothing wrong with expressing that. You know, just be aware that it's a person and they have, you know, have a day that's going on and, you know, just stay aware. That's what I guess. Wow. That was a really stretched out long answer. No, it was great. You know, like there's just a lot of people that uh, uh, when we do the show, we do listener questions and a lot of people Uh will ask us how to approach a creator or a celebrity. And, um, I mean, I can only say so much secondhand watching people like approach Bill. Um, and then there's like how I approach them, which is like, you know, freaking out on the inside, like we're talking (laughs) about and then being like, Oh, Ed Brubaker, whatever. Like, you know, um, you know, there's, there's only so much that we can kind of input, but it's, it's nice to hear it coming from somebody who's on the receiving end of these compliments because people appreciate knowing the etiquette for this. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I will, at panels at conventions, I will sometimes, if I'm particularly feeling my oats, I will start out the panel saying, all right, first off, no questions that start with, that that have the word favorite, uh, wackiest, or, you know, just like, because <laughs> to me, generic questions are, especially in a group setting, are a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. You know, it's like what my my favorite is is less interesting than what your favorite is mm-hmm. and why. Because that's more likely to spur a reaction from me. It's like, oh, my God, I love that episode where you did the thing. It's like, you know, that's so funny because a lot of people found it scary. And I heard and I, you know, and I might that might spur a story as opposed to what's. Of all of the things you've done in your 25 years, what's your favorite? Uh, there was an episode of Justice League uh, in the fourth season, uh, episode six. <laughs> I mean, you I know. Like people want to know, but at the same time, I it's, yeah, I agree. Like, it, it's not necessarily about what you liked. It's what the person. Well, especially, especially when you're dealing with a group, you know, um, 
And the, the fact of the matter is, it's a really tough question. It's like, what is, what is my one favorite out of, I mean, and, and, it, and it might be because I've been very, very fortunate to work on some really good stuff created by amazingly talented people, you know? So it would be dumb of me to try to like say, no, this is the one I liked. Eh, that Samurai well, Jack, eh, it was so-so. Yeah, I mean, you've been, you're credited in, and I don't know if people always realize this, but like over 300 things and many of those titles, you play numerous characters. Like, yeah. you know, that's a lot of, you know, potential favorites. Exactly. And, and, the, and it's, the, the true answer is it's impossible to say. Like if I were able to do Justice League, Futurama, and Samurai Jack, and Pulp Fiction all in the same week, you know, of my life, at the same time in my life, then I could sort of, you know, judge them objectively and say, okay, this is the best one. Or the, but each of them brought something different to me creatively. Each of them came at a different time in my life, you know, and they were all things I'm so proud to be a part of, you know, and even things that people don't know about. Like I did a, a pilot with Carol Burnett once that no one ever saw, but that was, you know, a great experience, mm -hmm. you know, it, it wasn't, you know, necessarily a great show, but it was cool to do. Yeah. And yeah. So and there's also the thing of I've had people come up to me and say, oh, my God, my favorite show of yours is this. I'm like – and I think in my head that wasn't actually my favorite. I didn't think it was that strong. Mm -hmm. But I – what am I going to like, you know, say crap? That, yeah. yeah, crap on their parade? No. No, I'm – thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad somebody – you know, because we put a lot of work into it. And, you know, it wasn't a hit, you know, but – we're happy that someone someone appreciates it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're getting close to the end of this. I know we've kept you yeah. for a while here. No, um, no it's fine. Um, does having a family affect the kind of roles that you take for work or how you approach projects that you do work on? Um, not – well, it makes going out of town um, a bigger question mark. Yeah. You know, just because... You don't want to be away. Exactly. Um, and when uh, we were doing the Pee Wee show in New York, it was like, okay, you're going to be away from home for three months straight. How, you know, how how big a priority is this? Is this something that's worth that? Um, and ultimately, we decided yes. Um, but uh, it it just makes the work a little less important overall. Mm -hmm. You know, I think when you're young and single and unattached, the work can be your life. And you, you know, there are far fewer factors to go into a decision about something. It's just like, oh, what a great script. Yes, I'll go wherever, whenever. <laughs> but having a family kind of changes your priorities. Yes, absolutely. But it also means that you now you're making money. It's like, well, it's not just so I can get a 58 inch TV. It's like, well, got to pay for tuition for school and, you know, braces, you know, things like that. So it's, it's sort of uh, tips both ways. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so the geek industry, it's been drastically changing over the past few years. Um, there's lots of progression being made, lots of, uh, 
new characters being introduced to kind of uh, in, bring representation to these yeah. universes. Um, what else do you think we can do to kind of he- keep helping that process as fans? Um, well, in terms of diversity in general or – I mean, my, actually, that doesn't matter. My thing is support the good stuff. Like because everything is becoming more and more corporatized mm-hmm. and it's all lovely to put up petitions. But really the vote that counts is what you do with your wallet. You know, um, the, the people who own the intellectual properties are chasing money. And if we as fans support things that are quality – then we're going to get more things that are quality. Exactly. That, that to me is, is the, the, the Marvel movie um, uh, thing um, is that Avengers was a great film, you know, and we all said, yes, vote for this. What we've got to stop doing. And here I go saying, I'd never say bad things about people, but like, <laughs> You got to not vote for the things that aren't as good, Transformers. Um, <laughs> as it makes billions of dollars. And that's the thing because the executives – like a, an 80-year-old billionaire who owns that comp- – you know, those companies, like all he's looking at is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see any difference between Avengers and Transformers. He just sees dollar bills. Exactly. He's Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, exactly. And to him, it's like, well, I don't understand any of this. But uh, the big robot thing beat the guys in the masks, right? All right, let's do more robot things. You know, that's all he cares about. But if we just keep voting for the good stuff, then they'll keep making more good stuff, hopefully. I think think it's promising, too, that, uh, you know, as opposed to when it was feeling like pandering, now they're actually putting these amazing creators on these books. Um, yes. And they're actually putting their money where their mouths are, kind of, you know, instead of being like, look, here's a character. It's a female. And <laughs> she's got lady bits and she's a superhero. Um, and they're like, here's this person. We don't really pay them because we've never heard of them. <laughs> um, but they're writing it, so you guys are happy, right? And now, like, we have G. Willow Wilson writing yes. Marvel and Kelly Sue doing Captain Marvel. And we have, I don't know if you've read The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl yet. No, I haven't. Is it good? Oh, my God. It's amazing. The second issue comes out next week. The yes. first issue came out last week. It is brilliant. Wait, and they're doing it weekly? I think it's bi-weekly. It's every other oh, week. Oh, okay. All right, um, I'm going to find it. It's, I, I was talking about it online, like, nonstop. And ah. uh, there was a lot of creators that said this is the first comic, in, like, from, you know, DC or Marvel. In uh-huh. I don't know how many years that I was not only able to read with, like, enjoy it on my own, but I was able to read it with my wife, <gasps> my children. You yes. Know? And that... In terms of, you know, not even just being like, here's a lady comic, here's, you know, Jon Stewart being the Green Lantern, like, here's um, Sam Wilson being Captain America. Like, there needs to also be all ages books. Representation doesn't just mean, you know, um, broadening the races of 
the characters being shown, but you know, also bringing yes. in new audiences. And I, I just love that they're putting these amazing teams on these books and kind of actually, you know, paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, the key to diversity is quality mm-hmm. because nobody wants tokenism. Mm-hmm. Like, I would rather have a bunch of all white books than like one token bad book with a black character. Also, because in the long run that hurts us. It's like, well, I read a I read a black book once. You know, and oh it wasn't God. very good. I was going through previews this month, and they had, like, for Black History Month for February. <laughs> oh, no. And, like, I was looking at the titles, and they're all from, like, forever ago. And I was like, <laughs> how are we showcasing these titles for Black History Month? What <laughs> were you thinking? Like, oh, just a big face palm. That's, you know? yes. Uh, but. But, no, I mean, what you said about the, um. The all ages, I mean, because, yeah, that to me, especially in comic books, is is diversity that's needed. Yeah. Because, you know, I have a daughter and there's so little that she can read. Yeah. You know, in the, in the, on the comic book shelves or that I would want her to read. You know, I had to go back to classic Fantastic Four, like at the, the, the hardback editions. And even then I was like – Okay, some of the gender politics are really, <laughs> you know, but in terms of like it's relationships between characters, it's no disemboweling or beheading, you know. Yeah. How how old is she? Uh 10. Okay, you need to get her The Adventures of Superhero Girl by Faith Aaron Hicks if you haven't already. Okay. It's wonderful. Okay. Um and definitely definitely The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. It's oh, good. Fantastic. And uh, both books are just my perfect examples of the kind of comics that we don't just need for girls, but for kids and all ages and things that you can read as a family. Right. So you should definitely check those out. Okay. Yes. And I'm, wait- I'm waiting for more Molly Danger as well. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of Princeless as well? No. What's that? Um, It's... Uh, I'm so bad at trying to explain things, but... Uh, well, no, actually, I'm, I'm going to look it up as we speak. Yeah. Princeless. Oh! Princeless. <gasps> excellent. By Jeremy Whitley. Um, that one, if you like Molly Danger, you mm-hmm. will also really like this. Oh, the pirate princess. Oh, she'll dig that. Yes. Because right now, there's a lot of Archie going on in my house, yeah. which is fine. Um but it's nice to have other things too. Yeah, and and again, the the relationship po- dynamics there real I find really troubling. Yeah. I really don't want that to be a template. <laughs> you know, I it's like I completely agree. <laughs> Cuz um, that doesn't make any sense. Like so they both go out with him, yeah. but then they fight over him, but then they're friends. What? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't yeah, make any sense. I, I hear you. But those ones I swear are amazing. And okay. I I will send you a list anytime you want because I am so all about making sure kids get, you know, the books that I think will help bring in new generations. Yeah, um, we were so about Tiny Titans and oh, then yeah. it canceled. You it's, know, it's a shame. It really is. Um, Gotham Academy might be a couple years ahead of her. Does she like Harry Potter? No, not so much. Not so he, much. My older one was more into that. Well, Gotham Academy is like Harry Potter. Set in Gotham, 
Um, really? Excellent. It's an all age, or well, it's a YA book, I would say. Uh, but okay. they're four issues in, also very good. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah. Well, and I guess everyone else listening will get a couple of recommendations as well. <laughs> um, I will leave off with some fun questions and I will let you go. Um, so these are just would you rather questions. Okay. All right. So, All right. would you rather have terrifying nightmares every night or see scary things that aren't actually there? Uh, the scary things are during the day? But yeah, anytime. Um, hmm, terrifying nightmares or scary <laughs> I know, I promise they get less um, daunting. Sorry. I, I think I'd rather have the nightmares. All right. Because then I wake up and it's over. All right. Uh, I think I think that would I think that would uh, not mess up my functioning as much as seeing things that aren't there. <laughs> I think I would probably drive into something. <laughs> um, would you rather have a rewind button for your life or a pause button? Um. Hmm. Rewind a pause. Rewind a pause. Um, pause. Presume. Well, no. Can I move around? Can I move around while everything is paused? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, totally the pause button. Because that's as good as super speed, right there. That's true. You can go like it's like, um, kind of what Quicksilver was doing in Days of Future Past. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you right. can sort of change things. I mean, you have to be paying more attention. The rewind button is good if you're not paying attention. It's like, oh, Jesus, what did I? Oh, I just missed the exit. There we go. For but... me, it would wind up being like an awkward reset button and be like a perma mulligan. Right. Um, be like, oh, why did I say that? Rewind. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give my, my, I'm going to go with the, pr the higher self-esteem version. <laughs> Because the rewind button presumes I'm going to make a mistake. The pause yeah. button says, I'm going to pause something and make it better for myself. Well, you have like the pause. You have a family. So there might be moments you want to pause and just kind of like. Take it, it in. Yeah, take it all in. So yeah. I, yeah. I think that's a good answer. Pause button. All right. Last one. Mm -hmm. Would you rather only wear 80s clothes or would you only uh, rather be able to have 80s hairstyles? Uh, I think I'll go with hairstyles, um, just cause I wore 80s clothes. I still have some of them <laughs> and, the, and the fabrics were terribly unforgiving. Um, <laughs> yes, I, the, and with the hairstyle, I can always put on a hat. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right. Well, you have been amazing. Um, oh, where, yes. where, where can people find you online? Talk to you, find out where you'll be. Um, oh, um, if I remember to uh, update my very poorly designed website, it's uh, philamar.com. Um, just my name, all one word. And also on Twitter, same thing, at philamar. That's uh, two L's in the middle, two R's at the end. Awesome. And is there anything exciting coming up that you want to let people know about? Um, the biggest thing that's coming up is um, at the end of February – um, at the Long Beach Comic Expo, where uh, I'm going to be helping them present the Dwayne McDuff the first ever Dwayne McDuffie Award, um, in honor of diversity in comics. Wow! Yeah, awesome. Uh, last year uh, we announced the award, and they've been um, taking in submissions. And then um, on February, 
uh, in, on February 28th, I believe, um, we're going to announce the winners. Wow. That, that sounds amazing. I, yeah. I'm personally going to try my very best to remember to tune into that um, and see how it goes. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's it's amazing to be able to be a part of it and you know to try to help uh the work that Dwayne was doing creatively go on in a different way. Well, thank you once again so much for being here. Um, My and hopefully maybe we'll talk to you again in the future. Yes, and hopefully we'll cross paths again at at, uh, at a convention or, or or in Toronto. Yeah. Come to come to Toronto when it's not North of the wall, as I was saying before, when it's like winter has come Ooh. and then left again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but it, it's really delightful here. I swear when it's it not is. buried in snow. Cleanest, cleanest <laughs> city I've ever been in. Well, thanks again so much. And cool. uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Stephanie.